Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about big snakes blocking the light with Season 5, Episode 8, Shadow. I'm your host, monster expert, Dennis St. John. Uh, why don't the rest of you guys introduce yourself from most to least likely to engage with trolls? Hi, my name is Travis. How's it going? Uh, <laughs> I've missed the past couple episodes, so I'm all fired up today to be totally random at times, if needed. Uh, my name is John. Uh, you know... I I I think trolls are great. You know, it's how else would we know that uh, we have a successful podcast if it wasn't for people giving a shit? My name is Michael. I'm the Virgin. I've only seen Buffy up to season five, episode eight, uh, Shadow. And uh, yeah, I engage with trolls every now and then. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but not uh, not for much on uh, Buffy. <laughs> Mostly on my own stuff. All right. Uh, thanks, guys. Travis, it's great to have you back. Uh, we missed you last episode. Um, and now let's get into reactions. Audience reactions. And we're going to start with a reaction we held off. Um, and Mike, why don't you read it? Okay, this is from Anne. Okay, Travis actually got flack for saying Olivia was too young. That's wild to me. First, the character, if she's the same age as the actress, is a bit young for Giles. If you read the character in context. In Hush, it's pretty obvious that Giles previously told Olivia about the more mystical aspects of his, of his life. I always read that to mean he met her during his ill-spent youth. Let's really stretch the definition of youth here and say Giles was avoiding his destiny and summoning demons until he was 30. She would have been 15 at the time. But let's push that all aside. Let's say she was a 30-year-old portraying a 40-something. The point that all of you mentioned and kind of glossed over was that the actress who played Olivia, Jenny, and Cordelia are basically the same age. This, to me, is the bigger concern over Olivia and in a broader context, the casting of women as a whole, Hollywood has a legacy or an unfortunate tendency to cast women between the ages of 20 and 35 and not much beyond that, which leads to unrealistic expectations for women. When all 40-something women are played by 30-year-olds and when so much of people's estimation of women is still based on appearances, it leads to unrealistic expectations. Anyway, Travis, please keep making your outlandish opinions known. <laughs> they really grow on me. When I first heard you say you wanted Giles gone after Helpless, I thought you were completely out of line. But the more I've thought about it and the more others have brought it up, the more I think you're not wrong. Thanks for the great podcast. Two thumbs ups. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so thanks, Anne, for that. And I wanted Thank to point you, to Trev that I did like that because you got upset with me for liking people saying negative things about your opinion. I'm an equal opportunity liker. Just likes he just likes every damn thing said. No, I just, just like kidding. drama. That's all. Yeah. Uh, and so these are reactions to season five, episode three. Um, so Sagov Nine says, "I hate it when they place a chessboard on a set." Uh, to make some kind of statement about a character, and then they set up the pieces wrong. So that's in reaction to the we were talking about like things that irritate us in a movie, like based on our like personal skills or whatever, you know. So I was like, oh, I hate when people use like brushes and pens wrong. Um, so sag f nines. Um, Geraint Thatcher says for a Xander episode, it was the best Riley episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> totally accurate. Hundred percent. 
uh, and uh, Silver Spike said some stuff, and I'm gonna cut some of it out because it's spoilery. But um, it gets this thing of, and why is it humiliating to be uh, his brother's double on the show? Get a grip, boys. It's work. Sometimes you can't be fussy if you want to earn a living. But I, I thought we were just joking about the like being mean to um, Kelly Donovan. Uh, obviously, I didn't mean, I didn't personally mean any harm, any trash on stunt doubles. Uh, we respect stunt doubles on this podcast. We were just making twin jokes, uh, but sorry if they came across as rude to people. Uh, and um, one of our biggest uh, supporters uh, on Twitter, Tracy Morrison, uh, so, uh, let us know about Buffy in the Big Bang Theory finale. Greatest guest possible. So thanks for that. Thanks, uh, Mom. <laughs> uh Tracy has said some very nice uh, things about us before. and uh, All 100% accurate. Yeah. Also, by the way, unbiased. <laughs> totally unbiased. Totally unbiased. Uh, so thanks for commenting. All right. Uh, those are the reactions for this week. Let's move into the summary for Shadow. The summary. Shadow. Buffy Season 5, Episode 8. Written by David Fury and directed by Daniel Atias, and originally aired November 21st, 2000. Buffy, Dawn, and her mom are waiting at the hospital for the result of the CAT scan while Riley drops by her house and discovers Spike creeping in her bedroom. He's out of the loop, and Spike tries to plant seeds of doubt about his relationship with Buffy into Riley's brain, which generally seems to work. Spike, in return, gets a jolt of sunshine before being thrown out by Riley. Across town in the magic shop, Xander, Willow, Anya, and Giles talk about Riley going all Captain America and blowing up a vampire nest. Only Xander seems put off by this behavior, however. Giles has ordered an advertisement in the Yellow Pages that instantly finds a potential new customer. Only that new customer is Glorificus. I mean Glory. She needs some supplies to cast an ancient and powerful spell to find the key. Since Buffy is the only one that has met Glory, she is able to walk into the magic shop and get her dark and demonic ingredients without any trouble whatsoever. Buffy is anxiously awaiting the result of her mother's biopsy and finds out the unthinkable. It is cancer. Just as she is getting more information from the neurosurgeon, the intern Ben comes along, lies to said surgeon, and offers Buffy some very bad advice. That's just a fact. When Buffy finally meets up with the Scooby gang, they are loath to tell her what Glory is up to, but after gaslighting Anya for a bit, the truth comes out. Riley is babysitting Dawn when she lets it slip that Buffy just isn't that into him, thus proving that a teenager is more observant than a so-called psych TA. Somehow, Buffy finds Glory, her minion dreg, and the snake creature at the zoo, but is knocked out and the snake creature escapes to find the key. Riley has gone off the deep end and is getting bitten in a nameless alley by a vampire that was sired by Evil Willow in Season 3, but unfortunately he stakes her during the deed. The snake crashes into the magic shop to find Dawn and then races back to tell Glory, but Buffy is able to intercept that slithering menace and keep the secret of the key from her most magnificent Glorificus yet again. And uh, let's do Great Lines. Great Lines. Um, I liked Anya in the, be in the beginning of the episode. I always like to pick my Great Lines in the beginning episode because it's like a, a, just like a great reminder of how the show starts. I don't know. So I oftentimes pick Great Lines from then. But uh, she's just talking about flipping through like the magic books and all the history books. And she says, they're like, Xander's like, if it's not written down, you know, how do we know what we're going to look for? And then Anya just says, just do what I do. Flip the pages and look busy, which is totally what it seems like the actors do sometimes on the show, which is great. Um, I also so, think that that means during research mode, she's never helpful. She's not actually helpful, although she 
shines in this episode. Yes, yeah. unrelated to actual research. And then I like it when Spike refers to Don later on as the bite-sized one when talking with Riley. That's kind of cute. Yeah. <laughs> kind of cute, but kind of literal since he's a vampire. Yes, exactly. Uh, John, why don't you go next? Uh, I got a little scene here that I really appreciated. Uh, can uh, somebody play uh, Riley for me and I'll do Don? Angel made her cry a lot, huh? Everything in him was all he, you know? All... You know, my boyfriend's a vampire, crazy, crazy. Every day was like the end of the world. She doesn't get all worked up like that over you. <laughs> I just like, <laughs> I thought this was a good Dawn Clueless moment uh, and uh, a good uh, Riley heartache moment. Um, really the crux of the episode right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, Riley's plot, the C plot. Yeah, the, the Riley part of it, yeah. I like how, yeah, this episode was all about everybody telling Riley what's going on with his relationship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Being cornered being cornered by Xander and being told what's going on in your life has got to be really humiliating. <laughs> or Spike, even, when you catch him yeah. doing the creepiest shit, and then he's like, hey, Mike, let me tell you a thing. Or two. Is, is, like, that the, is Spike and Buffy the D-plot? It, it doesn't go all the way. It goes all the way to a D-plot, as far as I can tell. So I, I picked two Anya lines I really liked. Um, this is Anya strong, baby. Yeah. Uh, so I like, um, I, for one, didn't want to start my day with a slaughter, which goes to show how much I've grown. <laughs> uh, and then uh, this starts with Xander. Ooh, make Mike do Xander. Make Mike do Xander. Okay. Just once, I'd like to run into a cult of bunny worshipers. Great. Thank you so much for those nightmares. <laughs> I knew you were going to pick that one, Dennis, but I love that episode. I almost picked it, but I was like, I know Dennis is going to pick this. I just love this line by Glory because she is such a unique mess and that she has time for vanity in between some of her super aggressive, hyper violent. Uh, convo, she's all like, uh huh, does this my, does this pump make my ankle look bony? Love it. I love the weird sycophant monk demon character who's struggling to come up with a quick response. It's just really fun. All right, uh, let's do kill count. The kill count. Uh, so I got one vampire, which I assume we're going to talk about. Uh, one demon, which was face pulped. And in the glory versus Buffy Smackdown, round two goes to glory, bringing the count to two and oh. All right, let's do weird noticings and trivia. Weird noticings. Uh, glad to see that the magic box is advertising in the yellow pages. This like was an immediate nostalgic hit for me. I came out of nowhere and hit me hard. Like, <laughs> whoa, damn. Um, I don't need to tell you about the times I delivered the yellow pages because that's boring. But oh. these ads used to be so expensive. <laughs> like, yeah. you, they are literally ads for you to stumble upon. <laughs> wow. Also, how lucky is Giles to have opened the magic shop and placed the ad within like the two month time frame where you get your yearly yellow pages? Or sometimes it's every six months yellow pages or it used to be. But it's like. There's a lag, folks. It's not like you get a new shop and they just send out new yellow pages. Uh, for those of us who enjoy the uh, freeze, zoom, and enhance, uh, there's a lot of great stuff in the uh, Sunnydale yellow pages. Well, 
There's a few mildly. Let's go to the video. <laughs> uh, if you, uh, first of all, the best thing is in the ad, there's the little uh, Starburst callouts that say crystals, potions, death charms, lollipops for the kids. <laughs> so Giles' copy editor is A+. And then um, also, if you really, really look closely, uh, Giles is listed in the magicians section. And he has a lot of competition. There are, you can't really make out all their names, unfortunately, but <laughs> magical like house, 30 what? different uh, magicians listed in the uh, Sunnydale directory. And when uh, glory sort of tears the page out for like two frames, you can see the next uh, frame and uh, you can see that the, the, the CD massage parlors uh, sex industry in Sunnydale is going strong. How many of those are, Secret vampire dens. <laughs> How many of those are real numbers? <laughs> yeah, those aren't five 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 numbers. Which yeah, these, the these are not five 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 numbers. Oh, what's these the, places what's the, I didn't even docked. think about that. What's the three one zero area code? We dare any of our adventurous uh, listeners to call any of these numbers for hot oil rubs, Asian beauties, or amor. And then backing up just a tiny bit. Glory being introed, surrounded by bit, surrounded by gifts and being a huge bitch is amazing. Like, <laughs> what a wonderful, weird character this is. And they keep like doing such good stuff to set up her as just so different from every character we've ever seen in this world. Really enjoying um, this character and like the settings, environment stuff they're doing with her. I, I'll take you to task just one little bit because I don't think she's a B word in the scene. I just think she's a boss. Like, you know what I mean? I, she didn't. She's a me, boss bitch. She's a bitch. I think boss. she's just a boss. I don't think she does anything really that word. I don't know. I, my, my impression of her she is that she's just. to kill her. I, I'm constantly anticipating her a, murdering a, this person. And when she doesn't, she's just a boss. But, she, but that's not being. I, I mean, she threatens to kill him, but that's because she's she's all business. She's a she's glory. She's incredibly powerful. I don't know. To me, it's on point with character. That's just my. All right, that's well, my... I, I can retract "bitch" to "b word" on your behalf. I'll I'll agree to that. But right, I'm you, like, you got your own opinion. I'm just saying my opinion is different. I don't think she is a b word either. I think she's awesome. You can be you can be both. No, well, in this case, I don't think she is that. All right, we can agree to disagree on that. Yeah, that's what I'm just saying. We're just agreeing to disagree. Uh, speaking of politeness. Tara is the only one who calls Giles Mr. Giles. Uh, so good for her. Everybody else, so casual. <laughs> I mean, at this point. I mean, yeah, like, why does she call him Mr. Giles? Especially after learning that he almost killed Buffy in season three, Helpless. But whatever. <laughs> I whatever. I just thought it was, it's also, it's just good character detail of, like, her upbringing is a little different from everybody else's. And she, like, refers... It's a southern thing also to like always refer to like your elders. And a terrified of male authority thing. Uh, great prop work for Glory to hit the demon drag with the fancy shoe. I mean, that's just like so, so on point. Like just getting crazy, hitting him with the shoe. Yeah, also she kicks that shoe off. Yeah, it's like, I can't, I can't remember if they actually had to cut it. I think they cut away. So like there's no way she actually did it in real life. But if that would have been like a single shot, that would have been effing amazing. Hits him with the shoe like a boss. Yeah. <laughs> like just like, a boss. Like, a, like a, you know, like anyone, like Kobe Bryant. You know what I mean? Like at his sneaker commercials. I'm sure that happened. I'm just kidding. It did not happen. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I get lots of vibes for her that she's like, 
not necessarily evil, but she is simply very powerful. Well, I guess evil's relative. I'm pro glory. I mean, I told you all. I told I told you all that I love that I love the season five villain. I am pro glory. I'm actually on Glory's side right now. He would uh, he would don these robes and get scabbed up for you're her. You're on her side. There's I'm no on her side. side. I, it's crazy. There's no side to understand. <laughs> I know. I know. I would be right there with Dreg being like, all right, we'll get this key for you, Glory. I'll we're working on it. Uh. How easily you're swayed. I'm swayed. I'm swayed. This is the most <laughs> compelling villain we've had in a long time. And I'm all we know is she's running out of time. She's got to get home. Tick timeline. It's a timeline. She's issue. got a Wizard of Oz scenario. She's Dorothy. This is Oz. Get me out of here. She wants to go home. I just wanted to point out that Dreg is played by the actor Kevin Wiseman, uh, who previously played a demon on an Angel. He was in the episode after um, Doyle died. He's the like wormy guy who reminds them of Doyle turns out to be bad uh and he's most famous for he's a main character in alias and he's currently on the show runaways with spike with james marsters oh yeah oh yeah so were leather jackets i mean leather jackets have always been around like i understand that concept but there were buffy had a leather jacket riley had a leather jacket glory was wearing leather dress and spike has a leather jacket on this episode they must have like really pe- they must have peaked like this must Their have been leather a thing. Bed budget is really high on this show. It always has been. <laughs> yeah, have a glorious full leather dress she just wears to the magic shop. That's like pretty intense. It is what's disappointing about all fan related merchandise. There isn't enough leather goods. Yeah, I don't think Buffy can really like I people could call me rug, but I don't think Buffy fans like really have that demand for that that super high end uh, <laughs> the super high end goods like a, re- a real leather dress in the style of glory i think there was one leather jacket like a red leather jacket on the hot topic kind of buffy merch section but i mean like i think it's long gone now but anyway just a lot of opportunities for people to step up their cosplay game when they take on these characters yeah uh at least they're all pretty common items, black leather jackets. I don't, you'll always build it by that. You know, when I think of leather, I always think of the Matrix. It's yeah. like the first place my head goes. That's year two, so year 1999, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 99. There could be a total leather jacket DB for all this stuff. Because, like, <laughs> I don't know enough about it to, like, call any of this stuff out. Yeah. Jacket DB. What the oh, hell's no. a DB? Deep, <laughs> Database. Deep, deep blue. On that uh, buffering uh, interview with James Marsters that I talked about last week, uh, apparently Spike, there was only two leather jackets for the entire series, the real one and the stunt one. And so Spike wore the same jacket through the whole series, which I thought was interesting. Apparently it really smelled by the end. Oh, it smelled terrible. He smokes all the time. Like it, I mean, I'm sure it doesn't absorb odor as bad as like cloth, but it would smell like ass. Don't smoke. <laughs> it's a doctor. It's advice right there. <laughs> Unprompted. Unprompted advice. That's a freebie. Let's get some hot takes. Uh, my hot take is that uh, I think Spike is the new Xander. Uh, Are you talking about being a, him being a gross horn dog for Buffy? Just be, yeah, being, being a creep. So, like, you know, we spent the first uh, three, four seasons of the show uh, sort of re-experiencing those of us who have seen this before. Uh, re-experiencing Xander and, you know, realizing, wow, what a giant creep that we all thought was funny, but he's actually a creep. And uh, 
Spike is kind of uh, filling that role now, now that Xander seems to have uh, moved on a little bit and isn't doing uh, the creepy stuff so much. Uh, Spike is really awful, and it's played for laughs in this episode. We're supposed to think it's funny, uh, but he's an actual stalker. <laughs> I think it's really funny, though, that his excuse is, like, it's just a predator thing. Right. Like, that's any better. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, that's like a, it's an asexual, like, like you know, uh, emotion, kind of, but not exactly in his case. Oh, no, it's super twisted. And the show plays it for laughs. Again, this show is tone deaf when it comes to... Ugh, don't get me started. It's clearly... Is this episode written by a man? Because this show is clearly written by men if they think this could be funny. I think Doug Petrie wrote this episode, who's a very good writer. But I wouldn't want to date him, I guess. I, it's just... It's, it's, it is super creepy. And then the fact that they can... They're both not invited to Buffy's house. Like, both Riley and Spike. It kind of reads like... Good do you point. know that scene in Strangers About Mary where all of the stalkers are having a hang mm -hmm. zone yeah. and talking about Mary and stuff. This is a little bit of that, but then it doesn't go that direction. It goes to more accusatory about how Riley's kind of like out of touch with what Buffy's really wants and what's going on. And Spike has her emotional secrets. I mean, it's just like a messy, weird scene. This should be the first scene of the show. We should have started the Buffy <laughs> season five with this, <laughs> this scene and we'd be on the right track. This one was written, in fact, by David Fury, not Doug Petrie. Oh, Fury, not Petrie. Okay. Oh, I love David Fury. A lot of good stuff in this episode, too. Just, uh, you know, just, I don't know, like all the cringing I used to do for Xander, it feels like I'm, I'm doing it for Spike now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like they didn't get out of that mode. They just shifted it to a new character. Yep, full-on creep mode. Yeah. Oh, I guess I'm going to character assassinate Ben the Intern. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Ben the intern is extremely unethical and insane. This guy gives terrible advice, do the opposite of what he says, literally the worst. I watched this and I forgot, like, this is what they think, like, real advice is. This is, like, bad on so many levels. Lying to someone in a hospital is, is terrible. And telling to the doctor? Yeah. First off, in, a, in real life, the doctor would be like, who are you? I mean, they wouldn't, <laughs> they wouldn't move. They'd be like, who are you? What do you want? I mean, it's great. They would be able to see through this guy's like, this guy is clueless. I mean, he is like a blank. I mean, he really has nothing going on in his face. Um, and then this guy's like, I mean, who think, I mean, this is an important, let me interrupt the most important conversation in the past 10 years of your life, Buffy Summers. Um, and you should just go outside, get some air. I mean, they, they, she'd been waiting hours. And then it's like, it, I mean, and then he's like, oh, come back. Then we'll just, we'll answer all the questions. I mean, just like, I mean, there's so much wrong with this guy. I mean, it's like, it's insane. Does he just want to date her? I mean, that's the only thing I could think. It's I mean, his motivation is so unclear. It's just like, if you did, if you did not understand what your job was and you continued to do your job, you probably would have conversations like this. Like, I, I, I feel like he's just unqualified. I mean, I think the, the, the show wants it to be good because it's... Yeah, it's like played him, like it's a... It's him like reading her emotions. emotions. And like, yeah, <clears throat> rescuing her from like this high stress thing. Uh, well, he's rescuing the audience because we don't want bad things to happen. So mm. they're telling us to chill out, right? Like that's how it read to me. Is it's like oh, this guy could have been a waiter stand. on the Titanic. We're experiencing some navigation issues. You just head on to the deck. I'm gonna bring you some bring you some champagne. It's gonna be great. I mean, I I kind of related to Buffy's experience here of like sometimes a doctor is telling you info you don't need to 
like you don't understand and you don't need to know like i just need to know if things are okay or not and i don't i don't need like a full-on explanation of the blood brain barrier it's like i can look that up on wikipedia later if i need to i just need like this basic information you're not willing to provide me because you're being too technical um so it was like i was relating to buffy's like I, it would have been nice to have somebody like yeah, but up. somebody would have come in and interrupted your conversation and you wouldn't even have gotten that far. I mean, the conversation was interrupted very quickly. That's true. <laughs> Not a lot of info was passed along. This is like, I mean, if you timed it, I, I bet it was like two minutes, maybe two to three minutes of, of conversation before it got interrupted. It's hilarious in a bad way. Man, I feel, I mean, the death rate in Sunnydale is high, not just because of monsters. <laughs> well, I'm highly suspicious of this carousel story that uh, Dawn tells. And when she's talking about like, oh, you know, when I was a kid, you know, like 10 years ago, whatever it was, mom rented out the carousel for an hour and she's telling Riley this story. I'm like, I, my thought was that Riley would put it together that this never happened. Like the carousel is new or this is like a temporary, like. This thing's only here once a year. That's impossible. You know, whatever. The, like, they only started doing this. I, that's where I was expecting the conversation to go for some reason for Riley to figure some puzzle out. But he doesn't because that's <laughs> not what this show is about. But, like, just the tone of the conversation and the specificity that Don had about the past being true and then the story about Angel, it just felt like, oh, this has got to be a moment where the truth is revealed, but it didn't. And that made this scene... I had to rewatch this episode because my brain was in the wrong place for this scene because... Like I couldn't, I couldn't understand the scene because I was in a different place where I was like, "Oh, Don will be found out." That's what's happening here, because that's going to be related to the fact that she's a key, right? And like, they're she's being actively hunted at the moment, right? And I'm like, "Okay, this will come together." And then that's not where it happened at all. <laughs> so I'm not sure what this scene is for, except to get into the montage, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, I mean, I think it's there to like. <laughs> assess everybody's emotional states and it is directly stating like don it, don was there four years ago in this world now you know but it's like all these events are a little different now like don was there while buffy was crying about angel you know and then oh yeah am i crazy or is it a good thing not to get worked up over to the point of tears over your significant other are you talking about riley here or well, i'm talking about like how like riley is super offended that buffy was like crying every day because you know her ex-boyfriend was a vampire i would not get jealous if someone told me about a relationship in which they brought them to tears every day i'd be like that that is these are tears of joy i like that would that relationship have problems and i don't want any part of a relationship where i make another person cry every day but that's but the show doesn't play it like that the show plays it like either it, i mean i love i love the show is either like boiling water or freezing water it's like <laughs> no either you're full of emotion full of love full of life or you know it's like you know you're you're building a lego set with your partner yeah, and then oh yeah it was kind of weird when they don't really gaslight on you in the in the magic shop where she like figured things out but it's like frustrating she finally figures things out and they were like kind of hiding it and like and so buffy doesn't really appreciate how smart anya is but they're you know it's kind of Kind of like subtle gaslighting where she's like, no, no, no. They're like, no, they're trying to lie, but she doesn't get it. And, and then eventually she gets it. So it's not, but it's just kind of like, ugh. 
Yeah, it does feel like for Anya's being awesome this episode. Yeah, right? she's Nobody's straight up awesome. appreciating how awesome she is, especially that her boyfriend who forgets that bunnies are a trigger. Yeah, <laughs> that's a deal breaker. Right, uh, and she like figured out how Giles screwed up just by going through receipts like with such intention to detail. Yeah, like a good employee. Like an employee who's probably more of a magic expert than anyone there because she's a thousand years old. Yeah, she doesn't get enough credit. You guys are totally right. I didn't even think about that when I was watching this. Uh, so also Xander totally trashed his reptile cults. And I just yesterday went to a reptile expo and I had like the time of my life. So I would be <laughs> all for reptile cults, way over bunny cults. I'd get so bored petting bunnies, but I don't think I'd get bored petting all different types of reptiles as part of my worship. Sounds awesome. As long as it's not a fraternity, Dennis, I think we're okay with you joining a reptile cult. <laughs> I might do it. It was awesome. I'm thinking about getting a chameleon. I feel like chameleons really spoke to me. More oh, yeah. Than, I thought it was going to be about bearded dragons, but I like was just really wowed by chameleons. And like holding snakes is super fun. The thing I'm having a hard time with, I realized I was having a hard time with is like, because I'm used to petting mammals and stuff, I really wanted to pet their faces, but I know like you can't really do that with a reptile. They're That's not into fangs that. Live. <laughs> what, what are they? What are reptiles into? Do they? Do reptiles want anything heat. from you? Yeah, they want heat. Okay. So you can pet them as long as it's gentle. And like snakes, definitely want to curl up on you because okay. they want your warmth, and you're like right. a warm tree to them. Right. Uh, don't get tricked into feeling like they, they feel emotions for you. They don't. They don't feel those emotions for you. But they're super cool looking. Uh, they've handled like gently, aren't afraid of you. You get a snake, you're going to have to get like mice. Yeah. Yeah. That's the issue is like, like anything that requires like crickets or roaches or mice, like that's going to be trouble for my apartment. Nobody wants a surprise snake. So just make sure you let people know if that's what happens, that you have a snake now. <laughs> I feel like it's also like a decision you have to make that's like, this might limit any potential like future dating options I'm like, <laughs> you have to be cool with reptiles <laughs> you have to join my reptile cult for <laughs> so and because i'm now a snake holding expert uh just kidding i just did it yesterday glory holding that cobra is so hella fake um i give i give props to the actress for like simulating it being a live snake movement <laughs> it's like she has to do it just by like grabbing its head and being like oh snakey wakey like uh it's real bad <laughs> it's bad y'all <laughs> uh at, later at the magic box somebody comes in and asks giles for uh alistair crowley sings which is a great little throwaway line yeah. uh, so i definitely had a google of that unfortunately <laughs> there there are no known recordings of alistair crowley singing but I mean, you know, the dude lived like in the early days of recording sound period, but uh, there are recordings of him reading like crazy occult poetry and chanting and stuff. You go around a bit, uh, which are really creepy because you can't even tell what he's saying. It's like between the like Edison phonograph wax cylinder <laughs> recording and it being Alistair Crowley doing like weird occult poetry. It's it's really hard to understand what he's saying, but that just adds to the amazing creepiness of it.
That sounds awesome. I was that made me think about like would Aleister Crowley be even a big deal in a world like the Buffy verse where oh, he'd like, just be a guy, he'd just be yeah. like Willie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I mean, what's this guy like a level one magician? <laughs> also, how do we get multiple scenes in Willie's bar with no Willie? So sad. <laughs> Willie's gone, man. Was he busy working? Like you know, like the actor working yeah, somewhere like else. Yeah, there's like a new bartender. I assume he like, I don't know. There's something behind, something happened with Willie and uh, this other bartender. So we missed, a, is this like a place for us to write a fan story to figure out where Willie is? Uh, so Buffy is like, goes on the payphone and is like, it's a big snake, not the mayor big. So it made me do a snake monster size chart um, just for myself. And I'm starting the dumb way from largest to smallest. So the biggest snake monster is, of course, uh, Jormungandr, who's the Norse snake that wraps around the world and in Ragnarok will battle Thor. Um, then the mayor, then the Skull Island Python from uh, the 1976 King Kong, um, and then Spawn of Sovek, who's the snake this time. Uh, and I think he's bigger than the Reptile Boy, boy snake. Although we never see how long Reptile Boy is. But uh, the spawn of Sovek is definitely beefier. He's a thick boy. I like this. It's like so in the future, somebody could be like, how big is that giant snake? You'd be like, it's about a 3.5 on the St. John scale. <laughs> <laughs> it's somewhere between Skull Island, Python, and spawn of Sovek. Yeah. In the future, when we're fighting like mutated giant snakes, there's the St. John scale. Yeah. All right. WTF is Riley doing in this montage? <laughs> I don't know, Michael. You watched the episode. What's he doing? What's he doing? <laughs> Riley is engaging in some very dangerous sexual behavior. <laughs> With uh, a vampire it, who is spawned by Vampire Willow, uh, which we talked about a couple episodes ago. She actually has a name. Uh, I, I looked like this up on the, on the wiki. Sandy. Yeah. Yeah. I just like every vampire probably has their like spawning story, you know, but like hers is like, it was a vampire from another dimension. She should be like wicked powerful. Like she should, she should be really, yeah. That's kind of sad that she dies the way she does. Cause man, she's like the key to another dimension and she didn't even know it. Yeah. And no one knew it. Dude, that's, that's so effed up. So this montage takes us all over the place in like kind of a dramatic, with dramatic music. Like it wants you to feel some feels and we've got, Riley picking up Sandy, then making out whatever, letting her, like inviting her to enjoy his blood. And you, th I watching this, I was like, is Riley going to turn into a vampire in Which order I think to? Was one of your predictions, right? <laughs> I may have had one. I'm going to get killed by a vampire. Uh, yes. Is Riley going to get either killed by a vampire voluntarily because he's so brokenhearted? Is he going to become a vampire so he can angel up and get the power he needs to be with Buffy? That's where first place I went. But also I was like, whoa, what the fuck, Riley? This is apropos nothing. I mean, it makes sense, sort of. But also, wow, please. You didn't let anybody know, huh? Well, you couldn't. Couldn't let anybody know. You can't let anyone know if you're doing weird shit like Riley's doing this episode. Um, that was just this is. 
this is going to have to pay, play out, play out later. Like this is just too big, a crazy move for him. And he's wearing a t- turtleneck at the end of the episode. So we don't get to see <laughs> like, there's no clues for what's going on. Honestly, you should be a turtleneck watch and, and see if <laughs> anyone ever wears a turtleneck that hasn't gotten bitten by a vampire. Cause I'm not sure they have, cause it's Southern California. True. Or a, uh, um, ascot, right? Oh yeah. Turtleneck ascot or scarf. I don't know how this feels to you if this feels like appropriate for Riley to be doing, but I was really shocked by Riley's behavior here. This is a weird move, and the emotional tone of it is strange too. And this feels like straight up Twilight drama at this point, because like I don't know what is going on. I don't know where this pays off. This, but with Spike on one corner creeping through Buffy's things, and now Riley go up in his creep game by going out and feeling what it's like to get bitten by a vampire or like to get drained like this is weird i don't know how i feel about this <laughs> i think uh riley is a natural caregiver and buffy isn't allowing that relationship to happen <laughs> i mean for me i think the riley scene should have gone on longer because i think they they cut it short before you figure <laughs> out is he happy with getting bitten is he so there's different theories with getting bitten by a vampire i think in different like lore Sometimes it's ecstasy. Sometimes it's like, so there's like different in theory, there's like different concepts of when you get bitten by a vampire, like how you feel. And yeah. I don't feel like we know in this reality or this, this, I, I don't think it's, I don't think this show is consistent with it. Yeah. <clears throat> it can be ecstatic. And then when we saw spike die last episode, uh, I believe his response was just, ow, ow, yeah. ow, ow, ow. <laughs> Yeah, but many other people, yeah, many other mythologies, it is more like ecstasy for the human um, to be bitten. So, and I yeah, think no. they also lowered the stakes. Ha ha ha. They lowered the stakes by having him stake her. So there's no like, there's no trace because there's more drama if she's around still. But it's kind of like, you know, you do all this in secret. You know, that it's not going to come back. Like, she's not going to come back. There's not going to be some recurring emotional aspect to that. So I wish they didn't stake her for that reason, because, you know, just it just kind of terminates. Yeah, it's, it simplifies something. the story because now it's whatever Riley wants to say about it. Right. So there's a weird moment uh, where Glory goes to the magic box and is throwing Buffy around. That's uh, the demon does that. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Thank you. My bad. Yeah. Sorry. The snake demon is throwing Buffy around and uh, throws her into a table and the, uh, some of the merchandise from the magic box falls onto Buffy and you can uh, freeze frame it and see that what it is is a bag of Quita Maldicion, which apparently is an herb that is supposedly, in, you, know, you can buy it on the internet, supposedly uh, rids you of curses and you can either take a bath with it or you can, they make uh, cleaners with it. You can clean your floor, which also, I guess, removes the curses from your floor. Hmm. So that's a real thing. I like that it sounds, it looks like it sounds like quitta. Like, I quitta this curse. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, I think we got weird noticings and trivia down. Uh, So let's move on to some questions for the group. Questions for the group. What are the first four rules that are no-nos in the employer-employee <laughs> relationship? What is it? Rule number five is calling the employer stupid, your boss stupid. So what are the first four rules? 
<laughs> Zan, this is a callback to Xander Anya. A great little Anya little. Oh, Anya's so I great. Do, I do love like, I feel like that's a, a cute part of their relationship I would have so seen cute. is like Xander coaching Anya as to like how to have that relationship. <laughs> he doesn't know. Well, he's been. He doesn't through, know. He's, he's like terrible at being an employee. Well, he's had a bunch of terrible he's jobs. Through, he's been through so many jobs. He definitely knows how to like have a job. <laughs> Her last also, job was cursing men. Okay, she she yeah. does need a little bit of remediation. I'm just saying, if I was going to hire a careers counselor for anybody, I wouldn't be Xander. Well, I mean, Xander recently got a promotion. You can't do that if you're like terrible true. at boss uh, relations. Yeah, but how do you get that promotion? Uh, all right. I think we have our most important question. So many doctor questions. This <laughs> I think Don had a lot of really good questions about is it, why is it called a CAT scan? I think that's too great. That's a really like she was adorable when she was asking like the medical questions, because it's like you don't know the right questions to ask. So you ask the questions that pop into your mind that like that seemingly don't make any sense. And so I don't know. Don's Don was was extra cute in, in this episode. So more, more questions. Sorry. One more. Joyce got diagnosed with, it sounds like a brain tumor, which she described as her shadow. Is that something that she would have over like gotten from the conversation about brain tumor that she would have been like, Oh, I have a shadow. I mean, it's super creepy to describe. Oh, that's true. It is creepy. Physical ailment that way. Um, is that something that someone would have said to her, or is that writerly weirdness? Like good horror writing, rather. Probably more good horror writing. Probably. I mean, you could, you could, you know, the MRI is, is especially at that time, would, would have a lot of artifacts, and it wouldn't necessarily be as high resolution as it is now. So back then, it, may have, it, it certainly was less precise. So they could have said there is some there's some shadowing artifact. I mean, I can imagine a world in which they use the phrase shadowing or um, uh, uh, decreased density, maybe or increased density. Or I, I can imagine a world where that could have been used. But my hunch is that's better. That's just more writing. Right, because it takes the name of the episode, too. And it's like just that delivery is so ugh, this is we're not Joyce isn't going to recover from this. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks for uh, uh, letting us ask these doctor questions, Trav. Uh, and why don't you ask another? I've question. got a question. So Riley cheated this episode, right? Discuss. Is is your question like a literal question? Like, did he, in addition to being bitten, have sex with this vampire? <laughs> or is your question more like, does getting bitten constitute cheating? I think as is this emotionally cheating? He did not have intercourse with that vampire. But that doesn't mean you can't cheat on somebody. I think doesn't Schwarzenegger have a famous line of like eating is eating's not cheating. That doesn't belong in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Say it in his voice. Do his voice. Eating's not, eating's not cheating. <laughs> oh man, um, I've never tried to do before. <laughs> um, wow, I just watched Twins. What? I just watched uh, Conan the Barbarian. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> this is like a personality test of who you are in the podcast, depending on what Schwarzenegger movie you just watched. There's a lot of snakes in Conan the Barbarian. I'm oh, yeah. Snakes now. Ed Schwarzenegger punches a camel, which is still 
an amazing scene. <laughs> but like, it, this is kind of like cheating, right? I mean, yeah, this is you're supposed to feel like he's cheating. Like I, he was yes. he was intimate with this woman. It wasn't sex, but you can cheat on someone and not have sex. Right? Yeah, it's it's super dishonest. It's emotionally dishonest. It, it it's skin to skin contact. Uh, I in every way that it is is meaningful. It's the same as cheating. I I don't know if I would use that word. Just it's penetration. <laughs> there, I'm missing like the just the three lines, whatever that prompt this scenario. I mean, let's. I mean, if you if you told your significant other like, yeah, I was at a bar, not my first time there, talking to a girl, not the first time I was talking to her, and then then, then your significant other was like, well, then what happened next? And you're like, well, I went to an alley with her, <laughs> and then you, they would she would just be like, or he or she would be like, you're done. You're, you're, you're never in my life again. She was, I mean, she was just in a darkened alley with Spike last episode. Yeah, I think they're both up to shit. But I think, like, what Riley's doing is, like, if you were to describe you're in an experimental phase, I would say he's experimenting. I feel like Spike and Buffy are having something much more meaningful and deeper and is, like, probably closer to emotional cheating. Riley is like, this is a quick win or something weird that Riley thinks is a quick win. He's just getting a quick drain. It's like more like one night stand versus emotional cheating, I guess, happening in this way where they can't actually happen because these characters might still stay together in this world. So I don't know. This is weird teen drama stuff at this point because they can't commit to either action because it's not HBO. So it's like, all right, they'll probably still get back together, but this is as most as fucked up as we can get. And then Riley, he stabs her at the last second. So he's going to survive. Whatever. These are all like fine points. But he, I, I agree. I think he cheats. I think you're right, Travis. But I've, I'm concerned if I made a prediction that Riley cheats, that I would be wrong. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's literally you would be wrong. But in every way that counts, I mean, every, it, it's the same. It's, it's equivalent. I think in Buffy's world, I think, she, I think she would consider Riley voluntarily letting a vampire bite her as cheating. I, 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 I believe that those rules would exist in Buffy's mind. Mike could make a prediction that Buffy would consider this cheating. This sounds like it's predictions. Let's save this for predictions. Uh, and let's move on to themes and deep stuff. Deep stuff. Um, so I said subverting expectations is a real dirty word right now. But the character of Gloria is a good way to subvert expectations, in my opinion, with her manner of speech, style, modus operandi, etc. Um, and the reason I, I say that is because uh, she kept using the phrase arise, 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 which was the master was, you know, hollering all season one. And she is such a different villain than the master, but also an amazing villain. And you think that for all of her power, she'd have some weird flowery way of speaking, but she doesn't. She has a real modern day approach to speaking. She, she cares about different things. She cares about fashion. Um, she goes and does her own dirty work. She buys the spells from the, uh, from the magic shop with the master would never do. They would have sent someone. Um, she goes and steals the Cobra. So I don't know. I, and, and she's a good villain because you'd think for someone as powerful as her, she would have all these henchmen. She just has one henchman and she does a lot of the heavy lifting herself. And, and, uh, she, she's really refreshing. Yeah, I also like it's so much simpler to just go to the magic shop and buy stuff and do it in a human guise or look looking like yeah. a human instead of like every other one, every other like 
Every other bad guy or girl has like all these crazy monster henchmen. And how many times have magic shop owners killed just because they won't sell things to like a creature? You know. Yeah. Um, It's interesting though that you say subverting expectations is a dirty word right now. Um, I think you're talking about some specific like Twitter stuff, right? Oh no, I'm just joking about Game of Thrones. Thrones, Everyone is. Yeah. How the ending of Game of Thrones is horrible, and I'm so glad the end of Buffy is not horrible. It's great. So that's not a spoiler. Uh, that's not a spoiler. It ends, the series ends great. Like compared to how it could end. It's also not a universally held opinion. Let's <laughs> <laughs> well, end that conversation there. Cared less about Buffy than it does about Game of Thrones, unfortunately. Um, well, I mean, it's not the dumpster fire Game of Thrones is. I'm just saying I'm doing really well on my Game of Thrones uh, betting pool uh, because I picked the dragon and so i got i get a lot of points for him drogo anyway sorry uh john you got the next one. Oh, just i think to continue the, the conversation a little bit that we were having uh, earlier i think the one of the reads on riley's behavior is that he conceives of himself at least that he's too boring right like spike calls him white bread in this episode and you know uh spike tells him that uh she likes a little more monster in his man and her man or whatever. Uh, and so one read of what Riley's doing is that he's trying to do that. He's trying to embrace a dark side that he may or may not actually have. Uh, and I, I, I don't know, I, I'm wondering how much that tracks in real life. I do think that there's a thing uh, where when you are involved with somebody who, whose like experience of life is really different than yours, right? Like they're, they, you know, they, either they've been through way more horrible stuff in their life or way less horrible stuff in their life than you have, it is kind of hard to relate to them. And then uh, I'm just thinking of one relationship that I had a while back where it was trying to talk to somebody and, and compare what your life has been like. It's like somebody from another planet mm-hmm. because yeah, I've definitely experienced that. they just have, yeah, you just have these really different experiences of life. And I do think that can be <laughs> a barrier to intimacy, although obviously it's really poorly handled by everyone here. I also like the color coding of like Riley's getting darker, so he's wearing leather, but he's not full dark, so he's not wearing black leather. He's wearing like this, like, <laughs> and it's not like um like when Buffy wears red leather, it's like um a passionate red, mm-hmm. and this is like uh still like a muted red. Yeah, he's like, still he's still in the khaki space, really. Trav, do you have more to add to that? Because you were kind of bringing that up in the weird noticings. Oh yeah, I mean I think it it, it ties into uh, the. I mean, I, t- I totally agree with John. I mean, the idea that you have this idea, oh, opposites attract. There's a lot of like the relationship tropes, but definitely I think in real life, you if you're with someone, you try to get into the things that they're into to some degree. You try getting into crack. You're like, eh. Uh, well, that's a red flag. But uh, <laughs> I mean, Riley just is so, it's, it's kind of, it's just a kind of an immature character. I, I mean, this is a real immature way of trying to, embrace the supernatural but also the idea that there's not a lot of that in riley requires a very short memory yeah riley's a super dark (laughs) not a terribly good person (laughs) like it wasn't that long ago he was doing surgery on his own like on his own also it was not that long ago he pointed a gun at an innocent person like (laughs) he's plenty dark he's just not supernaturally supernatural that he's not 
I mean, he's kind of supernatural, right? I mean, I guess he lost his supernatural game. A couple yeah, of and I think a lot of this is tying into that also. Like, his right. loss of strength is... Yeah. Losing his super strength is, like, bringing up, like, issues of what he thinks Buffy needs in a boyfriend. But for being, like, her... Being older, he's 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 very immature. Yeah. I actually wanted to talk about Buffy's maturity this season. That's um, off the charts. <laughs> Because like like even from the beginning of the season with her dealing with Don as a brat in that sense of like angry sisters to like where she is taking the adult roles in the like uh, hospital scenes and like caring for for Don, um, it's just like uh, yeah, interesting to watch this growth happen so quickly. Um, I wanted to bring that up for themes. Yeah, they do a good job of that this episode. That's really fun. I mean, you have to wonder. I mean, you don't have to wonder. I mean, I think it's I think it's organic. I think she's been through enough crap in her life that, yes, you can flip a switch and that that's totally legit. You know, I, I don't think it's 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 that unusual. You could also wonder, was this part of the spell for the for the key? Right. When they made the key, did they did they juice up Buffy's maturity level or is this a, is this like an unintended side effect of the spell? Right. You know, because, you know, like every action has a reaction. It's just some food for thought, but I don't think it has to be. I think organically, Buffy is a very mature woman. Uh, one of the things she struggled with this episode is like Buffy as a character has always like relied on her strength to overcome obstacles. And like this episode hits her hits her with the like real world problems, like health problems that can't be overcome by magic or strength. And it's also like a, a total switch from the show for the show itself because it's always treated every obstacle as mystical. Um, you know, to get into the the monster is the metaphor thing. So like like before, even like childhood sickness is a demon she, whose neck neck she can snap. You know, and now it's like she's hitting that wall of the real world. Uh, and so it's like the show is maturing along with Buffy right now, which is interesting. But she and Riley have a lot in common, though, right? Like the way that they want to handle things with violence. Mm-hmm. Like That's Riley going into the tomb with a grenade, Buffy chasing after the snake without any support. Like they're both tough guys in how they want to handle things. So, I mean, like as much as you're calling the maturity for Buffy, I mean, that's a pretty immature move. Yeah. I mean, we're all rooting for her because the snake's going to return to glory and tell her that the key is Dawn or whatever it's going to tell her. But like, and I guess it doesn't make it, but sure. Her solo move is stupid. Yeah, no, you're right. I was thinking more of her maturity in relation to her relationship with Don and her mom. Um, but yeah, then. Well, I, I don't know. I'm going to defend Buffy because that, you said it's also imma- realistic to me about like real life of like, I'm going to hold in all every I'm going to hold in all this stuff and like be the caregiver for people and stuff as long as I can. And then when I'm off by myself, I'm going to like do something really stupid because I need to like it. Uh, so I'm going to move on to recommendations. recommendations um and i'm excited about this recommendation uh hiss with three s's wounds they're like punctures sir they saw a very large snake i can only uh, believe it's a jennifer what... lynch movie from 2010 she made in india in the ball in the india like filmmaking system instead of as like a hollywood like production uh, it's about like an ancient curse where if you kill a snake, a snake then comes to kill you, but it takes like the form of like the sexy lady and it's real crazy and weird. It's on Netflix right now. 
Um, and Jennifer Lynch um, did the movie Boxing Helena and Chained, which I'm sure I should have recommended Chained, maybe during the like uh, Angel and the uh, Buffy shackled part of their relationship, but I might have skipped it. Um, and the movie's weird and it's kind of a mess. Or, sorry, Hiss is weird and kind of a mess. Uh, and I haven't seen it, but there's a documentary about the making of it called Despite the Gods and about like what a hard time Jennifer Lynch had making the movie. And um, so I pulled up a trailer for that. And I just wanted to read a quote from that where she's having a nervous breakdown. And she's like, it's just so absurd. I'm making a fucking movie about a snake that turns into a woman that turns into a snake. I got a piece of shit over there with a Pamela Anderson shirt on it. And I'm having a nervous breakdown because I can't have fun with it. Like, uh, so yeah, it's fun. Um, so that's the snake portion. I could go on with more snake movies. I mentioned Conan the Barbarian, but uh, those are my two wrecks. Um, and then for the waiting room scenes, I'm going to recommend uh, The Big Sick. I'm looking for Emily Gardner. She was checked in tonight. There's an infection. We put her in a medically induced coma. Coma. You should call her friend. Uh, it's the Kamel Nanjani movie he made uh, a couple years ago, and it's really good. It's about his girlfriend gets... Uh, put into medically induced coma and it's basically like him meeting her family uh and like kind of falling in love with her again while she's in a coma so it's like a lot of waiting room scenes um it's good based on true story so uh those are my wrecks let's move on to predictions virgin predictions Okay, predictions. Uh, at the moment, Michael, your score overall is still at a 62.39. Your score so far, considering this season only, is a 69.23. I just want to say if you have predictions above 50%, you're basically psychic. So, just saying. I, I think we are still grading you on a 10-point scale, which uh, <laughs> puts you at a D+. So, uh, looking back a couple episodes, uh, Travis pointed out, we have a prediction open from season two, episode 17, uh, which states that Giles has never been the, a watcher for another Slayer before. And in the previous episode, Travis, can you explain this? I think this was confirmed because um, the previous episode, Buffy almost dies when she was fighting a vampire. And so she wanted to find out what happened to the Slayers, how, the, how all the other previous Slayers had died. And she and Giles researched and researched, but they couldn't find any writings uh, from from the previous watchers. And it kind of implies that Giles has never had a Slayer before to tell her, oh, this is how my previous Slayer died. Yeah, this is one of those ones that I think we've known is correct for a long time now. It's just a question of when do we bring it up. And I think now seems as good a time as any. So let's go ahead and confirm that Giles has never been the watcher for another Slayer before. Uh, we have one uh, from season three, episode four. The next time Buffy gets good advice from an adult other than Giles or Joyce, that adult will die in this episode. Now, this hinges on whether or not we believe that Ben the intern has given Buffy good advice. <laughs> Travis, our resident medical expert, is clearly in the camp that he did not give Buffy good advice. Uh, Dennis, on the other hand, uh, you believe that it was good advice. Yeah, I say, I say within the context of the show, within what they wrote, the writers wanted this to be good advice. Uh, obviously, the writers are not medical experts, um, but they were writing advice like for 
from the point of view of the emotions of Buffy. So I think it was good advice. His advice is go for a walk. That's not advice. No, it was definitely good advice. It's definitely advice. I guess this hinges on John. John's going to be our decider. Also, how many times are we going to let this play out? Because I feel like we've already used this once. This one is this one is a a tricky one that we should have thought about uh, when it was uh, written. Um, Should have thought about the warning a little more critically because it really does hinge on this question of good advice and what constitutes good advice. And whether or not this is an adult, I mean, I suppose he seems to be only slightly older than Buffy. Everybody's oh. an adult now. Yeah, I think everybody's an adult. Um, I think this is good advice. I think that, again, I, and I, 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 I'm uh, thinking from Dennis's point of view, I, I agree with what, what he's saying, that uh, what's important is that the show considers it good advice from the point of view of sort of the writers of the show, that this is considered to be good advice. It's meant to endear us to this character. Uh, and show that he cares about Buffy on some level. So uh, I think this one's denied because he didn't die this episode. I believe that in in a objective idea of good advice, and just because the writer didn't understand what that means, I don't <laughs> think we should suffer for it, but I'm overruled here. I think objectively there is such thing as good advice. Uh, way more recently, uh, just a couple few episodes ago, Michael, you predicted that weak Riley isn't going to be good enough for Buffy. And this is something that, uh, Riley understands about himself. So what do you think guys? Is there, is that still just in Riley's head or do we have evidence now that this is, uh, based on what Dawn says, maybe that weak, weak Riley's just not good enough for Buffy. Um, I think we're, we're finding evidence that Riley isn't good enough for Buffy, but whether it's because he's weak or not is a different thing, right? Sure. Um, I'd leave this one open for a while. See what okay. happens. We'll leave this but one it's open. Definitely worth pulling back to, you know, investigate definitely. further. Yeah. So based on that one confirmation, one denial, uh, based on that one confirmation, one denial, Michael, your overall percent accuracy is at a 62.28 and your accuracy for this season is now at a 66.67. Excellent. Great. So still in the D territory on both counts. D for Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I have some new predictions. I'll start with the one pointers, then we'll finish up with a five. First, number one, I believe that Gloria, Glory, sorry, Glory, Glory is late to a party, and that is why she is in such a hurry and is running out of time. I think it's a dumb reason that she's running out of time because of her attitude, her weirdness about it. There's something weird at the end of this story. And she is late to a party. Could be a wedding, could be whatever. But I'm saying party because I feel like, because party a generic enough term for you? If there's a wedding, is that going to suffice for you? If it's a birthday, is that going to suffice for you? I mean a party. I want to be generic about the event, but it is like that style event. Does everyone understand what I mean? Sure. A gathering? Yeah. We won't get into pin. A gathering. That's great. A gathering sounds like even more generic. Let me change party to the word gathering. And I'm going to put party. Wedding, birthday, anniversary, etc. If she's late to play Magic the Gathering, is that a gathering? Yes. He should get double points for that. <laughs> Second prediction, Glory is an angel. I do not mean that she is literally an angel. Like, is the character angel, excuse me. I mean that she is like an angel from, from whatever this show thinks heaven is. So she is like an angel. Okay. 
I'm glad, I'm glad you clarified that because it was about to be like from the man that predicted dawn is faith oh, <laughs> glory is angel <laughs> glory is an angel I shouldn't capitalize article. let me not capitalize angel because that's going to throw this shit <laughs> glory is an angel the from heaven type now I don't if we turn, if it turns out that there are different kinds of angels within heaven and that she is a subtype and not actually an angel, but like a weird, like they have a term for the kind of angel she is or the kind of heavenly. I mean, she's a heavenly creature. She is from heaven. She's a good guy in this universe and she's trying to get back to the good place. So if she's not literally an angel. I want this damn point, but she is from heaven. Maybe I should say glory is from heaven, but she's an angel. Okay. Third prediction, Riley, Riley will tell Buffy that he got bit, but he won't tell her that he chose to get bitten. Like they will get exposed and he's going to shrug it off and say he got, he got lazy or whatever. And it, Buffy, I know, and that's the end of the prediction, but I believe Buffy will interpret that as Riley's weakness and she needs to protect Riley. Okay. Fourth prediction, Spike will have a pile of Buffy clothes in his apartment, his house, whatever you call it. He's going to have a pile of clothes the next time we see him. Not next time, necessarily. We will see a pile. Spike has a pile of clothes of Buffy's. Spike has a pile of Buffy's clothes in his apartment. And my final super prediction. Joyce will appear on an episode after she dies on the show. Now, it could be a dream. Could be paranormal. Could be a, some kind of creative way that they choose to have Joyce reappear. But Joyce will reappear. On the episode like after flashback she dies. or something would count. Yeah, I mean, Jenny Calendar came back a few times after she died. You know, that's a that's a weak point on Buffy's part. So a character could manipulate her and appear as Joyce or send a Joyce. Like, I mean, there's so many ways they could use Joyce. I don't even know what they'll do. But it's too good not to use. Those are my predictions for this ep. Excellent. Saw so a lot of grimaces around the glory stuff. So I'm excited that that's either super off the mark or on it. I don't know who's grimacing. Nobody, nobody's grimacing. There's no grimacing here. A lot, lot, lot of hamburglers, no grimace. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, I think that's it. So um, I've been your host, Dennis St. John. Uh, it's Dennis with one N. Uh, I'm at D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X on Twitter, and that's my dot .com. Um, and you can find my books, their comics, their horror, uh, wherever the internet is found. Um, Michael, where can people find you and what are you doing? YouTube.com slash user slash MP197400. I'm making videos about stuff. That's all. I'm a little behind because I got a, I got this full-time contract gig, but I'll be back up soon. Nice, nice. Uh, so I want to thank you one and all for listening and talking to us at Buffy Virgin. If you disagree with any of the insane things we said this week, don't bring it to us. We don't care. No, I'm just kidding. We totally care. We, we totally care. We want to hear. We'll talk to you about it. Um, uh, we are BuffyVirgin.com, and uh, we have a YouTube, a blog, a Twitter, and an Instagram. Uh, and you can uh, reach out. We love to hear from you. Don't forget to rate and review us on the podcast listener of your choice, and we'll see you in hell.